The loss of a loved one is something we all face at some point in our lives. How we lose a loved one adds to or changes the process of how we grieve. And I never realized how much your kids teach you that you don't realize that. I mean, every day, I, I'm just so joy that I got to spend 16 years with this guy. What does the Bible say about death? How do we grieve and cope with that death? Our lives change when God calls our loved ones home. And we have never been angry at God. We have they, uh, never, never, never crossed our mind. Some blame God, some become angry at the world, some even give up on life. Mom, Dad, it's not your fault. I chose this option. Please get over it and move on. Love you. But we must remember, in this life, death is our biggest enemy. Yet the living may not understand why. But I tell you this day, that in the next life, death is our victory. Tune into this discussion of faith through loss. The Ear, Evangelical and Reformed Christian Podcast. Welcome to The Ear, the Evangelical and Reformed, a Christian podcast that urges you to think deeper and draws you closer to God through faith. Through powerful sermons, teaching segments, and discussions, The Ear hopes to give you a different perspective on secular topics from a Christian worldview. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Please welcome your host, Brandon Queen. Good morning, podcast world, and welcome back to another episode of The Ear. Today, you are in for a good treat. We're, we're going to talk about something a little um, a little touching to the soul. Uh, a lot of people deal with this. A lot of us deal with uh, a loss of a loved one. Uh, my name is Brandon Queen, and it is a joy and a privilege to bring you quality content through discussion and biblical commentary on topics the secular realm often get wrong. With this podcast series, we hope that this dialogue, that we can show you a connection between faith and loss. So... As Matthew eleven fifteen says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So take this opportunity to hear God's word proclaimed. All right. I am honored to have a dear friend of mine, Bart Mattis, and his wife, Miss Amanda Mattis, join us for this discussion. Uh, sometime last year, back in August, um, Bart and Amanda experienced a, a, travity, a, a tra- tragedy sorry, um, with the loss of their son, Evan, to suicide. And, and Bart used to work with the sheriff's office where I used, where I currently work. And uh, I'm not sure what Miss Amanda did. I'm pretty sure she did something awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to allow them to go ahead and introduce themselves. Um, so I'm Amanda Matisse. I, um, of course, am a mother first. And I currently work for Lafouche Parish um, Government as the exec- executive director of Community Action. Um, so I'm definitely out in the community often serving our wonderful parish. Um, you want to say about me? I'm Bart Matisse. I'm uh, employed by PCM. I'm a assistant operations manager, and also I'm still in the reserves of Lafouche Parish Sheriff's Office. We have been married for 20 years. Gosh, this is, seems like a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and describing our faith in God as a couple, I think that is something that we struggle with in the beginning of our marriage. Um, that was just not something that we put first and we got married pretty young while well, I was pretty young. Um, 
Bart was a little older than me. All right. So, you know, in the beginning, we did not really focus on putting God first in our lives. And um, we did not reflect God through us and, and Jesus and did not. I mean, there's so many things that we could have done differently. And it's not until a couple of years ago that we found our home, um, our church home, just Thibodeau Family Church. And now that we were put there for a reason and um that has ultimately got us where we are today which is using our faith to get through this using our faith in god and you know in our walk with jesus and just reflecting the goodness of god through this tragic moment yeah it was uh, i remember i think it was the friday before it happened i saw barton rouses Mm-hmm. I was working the detail, and I think you had just told me you were leaving the sheriff's office that time yes. uh, last year. Yep. Yep. And I was heartbroken because I worked with Bart for a little while mm-hmm. on patrol and enjoyed it. You know, so it, it's it, loss comes in all different variations. You know, we we all know that. Um, you know, I, I know we talked about what y'all did for a living, but um, Bart, how long you been with PCM? Uh, thir- uh since two thousand thirteen. I uh, worked at Bollinger before that and after BP, uh, kind of jobs kind of dwindled away. So uh, actually, as a guy she went to school with, so dad owned the company. Went in and not knowing too much about what people do in Pipeline. <laughs> and uh, I, I learned a lot from uh, Mr. Mike Fazy uh, and that group over there. And uh, from there, I always had an interest in being with the sheriff's office and the law enforcement. So through our son, Evan, one day I was telling him, not to give up on your dreams. Nobody can stop you to do whatever you want. He goes, why you let yours go? I said, what you mean? He goes, you know, you know you're not too old. He goes, you know all them people that's in that reserve stuff, you know, you can still uh, uh, chase down your dreams. So as a father, you gotta do what you say, you know? So that's how I ended up becoming a reserve officer and did all that good stuff. And went full time. Then went full time. Which how, I, long, how long were you full-time? About a year and a half, year and a half. which I really enjoyed, and I still miss it. I mean, just we're, I think that's something that brought us together. We're always helping people. You know, that's, that's instilling our kids. Uh, Evan was the same way. You know, uh, we'll tell you a story later about him helping kids and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it's good to see it through your kids, you know. And, Miss Amanda, what did you do before the uh, parish government? I worked for Easter Seals, Louisiana, so we did case management for individuals with um, intellectual disabilities. I have a friend that works there. So, okay. Jessica, uh, is it Jessica? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jessica. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, I worked there for several years before that. I've always been in the disability part of um, the helping profession. So before there, I was with the state. Um, I know Jeannie Duraro. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely know her. She's the ombudsman for um, group homes. Yeah. Sure do. Okay. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of alluded to describing your faith in God as a couple. Um, how long did it take for y'all to, and I, being in, in a reformed faith, I should ask this question a different way, but I'm going to ask it in this way just to uh, set the question up. How long did it take for you guys to find God? 
We found it at different parts of our marriage. Uh, we both was raised in a Catholic back, background setting. Uh, we got married and we lived the young couple life of, uh, you know, party first, all us. And then, I don't know, we just got to the point where it was like, man, we got to change something up. We got these young kids here. We, we have to teach them differently. We got to teach them differently. Uh, so we, we searched a lot. We went around. We met a, a lot of great people through it. Uh, that's why I tell people, you know, have your own personal relationship with God. Make it your own. Uh, and it took us a little while, but through us always giving back to the community, that's how we found where we're at. Uh, Pastor Blaine and them had uh, the Tim Tebow night, mm -hmm. and that's how she went to a meeting, and he invited us to go to church, and we went there, and uh, from there, we just took it from there, and that's what we found. But it, it <sighs> I received the Holy Ghost probably in way before Amanda was even comfortable. That is correct. I was not comfortable at that at that That's point, true. and um, we were attending church at a different place, and it was just so different for me because I grew up Catholic, you know, mm -hmm. and so it was a different environment, and so I was very uncomfortable um, with how that, you yeah, know, and, how it, and it left a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, the pastor reached out to me the next day. We talked, and I think that's where it really started from right there. Uh, I think it opened up a man at a sea, like. Okay, well, we got something here. Let's let's build off of this. What's What's good about that though is you know um, who found a church first? You did. Um, I think it was both of us. Both of us. What, what's interesting is, and how I wanted to ask the question was, um, how long did it take for you guys to obey God <laughs> and actually, mm -hmm. you know, come to the calling, if you will? Um, but the the next part of this question is, you know, you said he got the Holy Ghost first. Mm -hmm. All right. So we see in the Bible that the man should be the head of the household and he should be the one leading. Mm -hmm. All right. So you weren't comfortable yet. All right. Correct. Why? I said it was just so out of my comfort zone. Um, but that's how God works. I know. I know. <laughs> and I could hear him, like him telling me, like, it's okay. Like, I was even um, nervous about putting my hands up. You know, to worship because that's just not the way I was raised. Oh, you definitely Catholic. <laughs> yes, I was not raised that way. So, like, just putting my hands up, I felt so uncomfortable. And um, and then whenever he received the Holy Ghost, I was like, I stayed in my chair. Like he was in the front, and I stayed in my seat because I'm like, what is going on? Like I have no idea what's happening right now. And so. You know, I talked about it at work to people and then, you know, realized that, okay, like there is, it, there's a different, like it doesn't have to all be conformity. Mm -hmm. Like I was used to conformity and, um, Which, nothing is wrong with that. Right. Nothing is wrong with conformity. I was just so used to it that I'm like, but I still just could not come out of my comfort zone after like, I just, I just couldn't. That's because you didn't let God take control. Correct. I did not. So I held back, my heart held back and I kept getting messages. Like I feel saying, okay, you have to open your heart. You have to stop being closed off. You have to, you know, just open your mind. And, um, so it took a long time before I did. And it wasn't until that 
like I said, where we found where we are now is what I feel comfortable. I feel great, you know, putting my hands in the air and worshiping God. And I go to the altar and, you know, get on my knees and when I need to, and I'm okay with that. I feel completely comfortable with that now. So, so let me ask, are you, um, a football uh, hand worshiper, a big fish, a big TV worshiper, a little fish. You know. <laughs> Just, uh, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. <laughs> I'm in the middle. <laughs> what about you, Bart? <laughs> Are you just the the helicopter? You know, you all over the place. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I go with the flow, whatever. Whatever he's whatever feeling. Whatever takes over, yeah. it takes over, and I'm cool with it. You know. Okay. So yeah, I what, cry most of the time, which is something that I was I was not a crier ever. Like if I was cry- if I cried, it was because I was mad. And now like I'll sit in church and just cry, you know, and that's okay. Like I don't care like what other people were thinking, you know, yeah. because I did have that too. Like, oh my gosh, what are other people going to think? And um, that's gone now. And, and I'm glad because <clears throat> your faith and how you worship, that is personal between you and God. So it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what, what Bart thinks doesn't matter what your kids think it you know that relationship is personal between you and God yes um so yes and it took me some time to to yeah. be comfortable with that I bet so what Bible verse uh kind of allowed you to open up more um I think just be still mm-hmm. be still and know that I'm God Isaiah 46 or I think it's Isaiah 46 be still and know that I am God yes yeah be still know that I'm God. And then now it's um, be the light. So, you know, that is where we're at right now in our life and going through our tragedy with, with Evan and just still being able to be the light through the tragedy. Yeah. What about you, Bart? What, what verse uh, would you in? Let, just listen. Listen. Don't be scared. He half trusted him, you know. Uh, I, I read, say read, I seen a video of a girl asking her mom, what's your fear? She was, I fear nothing. Why you feel nothing? Because I believe in his word. So I thought that was very touching. And this young girl was asking her mama, like, why are you so brave? And that was her answer to her, because I believe in his word. Hmm. And so, I mean, I, I, th- I feel that's a very powerful statement. Because uh, at one point, we was kind of on, you know, trying to discover where we at. And... We have never doubted him, even through our tragedy or anything like that. One of the things that I have to do is Proverbs. I have to tell myself this a lot when I I go through something. I'm like, why can't I figure this out? And it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that says, you know, um, I'm going to paraphrase it. Lean not on your own understandings, but basically trust in God. Mm -hmm. You know, he has that, that path for you he wants you to take. So your path is doing this. It has a bunch of dips in the road and a bunch of potholes. But if you take the path of God, you still got those potholes and dips in the road. Mm-hmm. The only difference is you have him as your guide. Right. Versus going off astray, you have nothing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's one of them that I, is Proverbs 3, 3 5. Mm-hmm. Lean out on your own understandings. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. That's yeah. kind of, that's... I know later you're gonna ask what God is, yeah. but I go. That's that's my go-to. You know. So now th- this is the part where we transition uh, about about Evan. So uh, Amanda, how would you describe Evan? <laughs> Evan was awesome. <laughs> 
Evan was an incredible kid. Um, he was the kid that was always smiling. He was always happy. I never saw him mad. He actually made me mad whenever he would, you know, say, talk back to me or, um, and I would fuss him and he would smile at me and it would make me so mad. And I'm like, you no, you cannot laugh at me. And he's like, well, what else you want me to do? (laughs) So it would make me so angry because he would just, he would just smile. And I'm like, Evan, you're not supposed to, you know, whatever it is. Um, and he would just smile. No matter what, um, Evan was very intelligent. Um, he definitely his IQ out outdid me by far. He had an IQ of 140, um, which is like two percent of the population. So um, I think some, my IQ is six. <laughs> I, I had trouble talking to him sometimes. Yes, we would, would get, just listen because I would get in an argument with him, and he walks out the room. I tell him, "Man, I was like, oh my god, I don't know, just told us, dude." <laughs> no, we just like listen and like, okay, yeah, I would just agree. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. I would, <laughs> yeah, we like, I would go on before I went full time to the sheriff's office, I would go to business meetings. And once, you know, you get to know people and talk. And once they got to know me, they got to know Elvin here and there, I would go actually all the way to Houston. And the first thing we do, hey, put your son on, we want to ask him a question. Because he was one of the guys that can stay on Jeopardy and just drill him. Walk through the living room and just oh, da, da, da. so it was like it was cool. They didn't want to talk to Bart. They wanted to talk to Evan. <laughs> so I used to always like I'll come home and say, "Bro, you know you sold you sold more stuff for PCM than I ever did in my life." Because they want to talk to you. He was that 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 kid. I mean, growing up, he was always uh, your normal kid. Yeah, very. He had a huge heart. Yeah. Definitely had a huge heart. Um, I remember he wanted to pet a gecko. Because he found a little gecko, and I tried to explain to him that you a gecko is not a pet, but he, by all means he was determined to, you know, put this gecko in a box and punch holes in it. And whenever he got home, he was gonna take care of it. So I'm like, okay, Evan, that's fine. You know, I'm just telling you it's a possibility that the gecko might die while you're at school. And so he named the gecko Rainbow. And we put the gecko in the box. And of course, he came home from school and the gecko had had passed away. And we had to bury the gecko, Rainbow, in the backyard, in the corner of the backyard. Um, And he was just distraught. Like, he cried and cried because the gecko had had died. Um, So his heart was just so huge. Um, He did a lot of research. Um, He did a lot of research on, on COVID. He did a lot of research on... Um, how other countries were handling it and, you know, what was the best approach to take. And he did a lot of research on politics and, you know, he, we were supposed to leave on September 22nd of 2020 to go to Washington. Um, Because several years ago, he asked us, please stop giving me gifts for Christmas and my birthday. He said, just take me places. So we started that tradition, and so we, me and him went to Miami and watched his favorite baseball team, and we went to our buildings. He got to pet a sloth. Yes, uh, they went to Big Seattle. Man. We went to Seattle was his next choice. Um, we spent a week in Seattle because there was like an epic engineering fail, and he wanted to show me the site of that epic engineering fail. 
So we spent a week in Seattle, him and I, and then we were scheduled for all three of us to go to Washington September 22nd. However, mm. we um, we never mm. made that trip. Yeah. Played baseball with Josh Colson at LBA, which was uh, probably his best times. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm, he, made, he made a lot of friends. Everybody looked up to him. Uh, he was the leader of the, the leader of the bunch. Uh, somebody would get bullet. He would go to him. He was very quiet, uh, big heart. I mean, uh, he went to the school. He went to Virtual Academy Lafouche. Mm-hmm. Every the teacher said every morning, he'd walk in and go in the back with the. He would put a school bag down and he would walk to the back to make sure he said good morning to his special needs kids in the morning, mm-hmm. and then go back to his seat. And that's about as much as he talked the entire day. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he wanted to. Uh, Foreign exchange student to Germany. He taught himself German. In right. Hungarian. In Hungarian. So I was like, dude, you just don't come to somebody, to your parents say, hey, I'm going to want to be a foreign exchange student. So I said, tell you what, you give me some literature or something to read up on, and we'll think about it. The next day, he had a PowerPoint <laughs> set up. He set it, it up right there in the, TV. by the TV. We had to sit down. And what was the uh, his saying? It, um, exchange, exchange me, me for God's sake. sake. That was the title. <laughs> he had crime statistics. How how this uh, another grant would pay for the clothes because it gets cold up there. To the T, I could not say no. I was like, nah, you convinced me. I mean, we we all been in places and, and took on yeah. uh, programs and classes. This dude nailed it. So I'm like, oh, well, all yeah, right. Crime statistics, statistics health statistics, statistics everything. I mean, you know, that he would have an interpreter with him, but he would, you know, teach himself the basics of of German, um, the German language. And I mean, just had it all. And we like, how, how, how can we say no? OK. <laughs> how long did he want to do this? So it was 12 months. It was a combination of studying um, in their schools and learning about their government. And so he applied for the scholarship and um, they granted him the scholarship um, and COVID happened. So he would have left at the end of August of 2020, no, yeah, September of 2020, the end of September of 2020. But um, because of COVID, it was canceled because you couldn't cross the borders. And um, so, but he was going to Germany. I don't know. I'm not a parent, but I don't know. <laughs> yes. I know. We were trying to figure this out. We like, okay, we're going to have to go one at a time to visit him. So like we got in contact with somebody we know that lives in Germany and they, they said that mm-hmm. they would be a backup if there was an emergency situation. And they were about an hour away. Yeah. Where? They were an hour away from where <laughs> he was going to be located. So we had all that lined up and then we were like, okay, we're just going to do one at a time so we can go more often. Did, did you change the phone plan to where he can... <laughs> we didn't get to that point, but we were, we were. <laughs> nice. So obviously there's a lot of lessons you guys probably learned from Evan, but what particular lesson, I'm going to start with you, Bart, that you learned from Evan. I didn't realize how much, I mean, as a father, you, you, uh, you plan on teaching your kids stuff and, and so they can get through life and manage through life. After this tragic, tragically event, uh, I didn't realize how much things I do today that he taught me as a man, father. I mean, it's just 
I guess part of my faith, you know, like the stuff that he taught me. Uh, decisions I make today is stuff that he taught me because I would always talk to Evan, even when the sheriff's office come back. He would wait up, text me at night, hey, what's going on? Some things I got to tell him, some things I, I couldn't. I remember some of those, yeah. <laughs> so he he would always like second guess me or, or, hey, you ever thought about this? And to this day, a lot of a lot of decisions I make, I do stuff that he taught me. Sit back, wait, you know, look from his eyes, you know. And I never realized how much your kids teach you that you don't realize that. So, I mean, it's, I mean, every day, I, I'm just so joyed that I got to spend 16 years with this guy and what he did for me, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a blessing what kids can do, you know. Yeah. They are truly a gift from God. You know, my nieces, <laughs> I love those girls to death. I, I'm, I do spoil mm-hmm. them, I'll admit that. But I learn a lot from them, too, yeah. you know. And I don't have kids, but I, I yeah, it. yeah. So, what about you, Miss Amanda? For me, it's just he loves so big and so deep. Um, every morning, the first thing he was a coffee drinker. He loved coffee, which is another part of the reason why we went to Seattle because of coffee. Um, but every morning before he would fix his cup of coffee, he would give me a hug. Every night before he went to bed, he would come give me a hug, even at sixteen years old. And um, just how compassionate he was and about any topic that, you know, he was on or thinking about or he was very compassionate and um, very thorough. And so I just learned to open again, open my heart and just be like Evan, you know, and when I find something that I'm very compassionate about to act on it. Because that's what he did. Yeah, he had a huge heart. <laughs> yeah, huge man. He he was <laughs> totally totally against uh, public housing, the way they set it up. Wow. He says, "Why would you want to take a whole bunch of people and put them in one area? Hmm. Why? Why not mix them so they can learn?" Like, why not we integrate? He's yeah. like, why don't we integrate them into the community? He talked about um, putting drug addicts in jail. And he's like, why would you do that? Why would you put a drug addict in jail with criminals? He's like, it, that should be completely separate. Like, there should be a reform. There should be reform. You know, and this is the kind of things that Evan talked yeah, about. Yeah, this wasn't when he was 16. He was talking about this when he was 10, 11, 12. Right. That's, this right. is conversations we had at our dinner table at night. Yeah. And, like, some things I couldn't answer. He was, he was big about the, these are. He followed the things that yeah. uh, President Reagan did and, um, you know. And, we definitely got along. <laughs> and he, he always felt women should have their own decision to do what they want with their body. Yeah, he, did. he, he was, did. He did. He, he would get very, uh, very vocal with stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, we mentioned he liked sloths. He was in school. They, uh, they was learning about pumas, which are predators of sloth. He went in class, ripped up everybody's paper. <laughs> probably the only thing he probably did wrong. Yeah. So the teacher said, Evan, you in trouble? Tomorrow you got to give me a presentation on... on he can compel this woman so much she gave him an A. It <laughs> <laughs> was never going to teach about pumas again. But he got up there with nothing in hand and just, just what yeah. he learned and stuff and just went up there and took up the whole hour, she said, or 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Talked about sloths the whole period. Did you punish him? Nope. Because <laughs> I told him, stand, stand up for what you believe right. in. And he did what I told him. So I'm like, ah, it's one of those. You're kind of, ah. 
you know, and, and I actually, uh, I do agree with the whole housing thing. You know, I mm-hmm. didn't think about it from that perspective until now. Do you want them to fail? He said, yeah. How, how right. are we going to get them to teach them or, or whatever? That you you going to keep putting them in that situation. Yeah. I mean, I call that modern day slavery. So that, 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 that's yes. just me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to get into Correct. that. Correct. But, yeah. you know, when you do stuff like that, you know, you stick them in jail. And I worked in a jail setting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see how these criminals operate. That's the mindset they have. Correct. Is because that's what they're afforded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I do like what the sheriff is trying to do with changing that mindset, mm-hmm. but it's going to take a whole lot of people that actually care. Care, care. To correct. That That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, because he's like, why don't you know you integrate them into neighborhoods, and then people start putting, uh, picking up the habits of their neighbors, and he was like, and then they start picking up positive habits, and he says, I mean, there's your fix. He said, but no, let's put them all in, you know, put all criminals or. Um, low-income families in one place and and think that that's going to be a successful outcome he was like it's not yeah you know and he's like you're just setting up for failure and he was very passionate about that and that conversation happened in july july yeah Yeah. i used to call him my my walking wikipedia (laughs) i used to call him fighting i said hey dude this is a guy tell me some stuff Mm -hmm. all right cool yeah i walked in his room one day and i'm like um what are you doing? And he was like, why? And I said, I'm just wondering, what are you doing? He's like, I'm watching something on President Obama. And I said, okay. And I said, I just wanted to make sure you wasn't doing anything you're not supposed to. He's like, no, and I saw it on the screen. And uh, he was like, I'm just watching a presentation on President Obama. And I was like, okay. So like, just. Look, his older sister, she was in college. Wanted wanted some answers so he gave it to her it was a test online it was a online wrong, proctored test gave him all the wrong answers she was mad and why you did that he goes well you should know your own i'm not gonna help you <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was like, so mad <laughs> he said you should have studied sorry nope. and she said i knew when i was putting these because it was all abcd um i knew when i was putting this in that this didn't sound right but he was telling me, and I know he's the smart one, so but he did it intentionally. <laughs> wow. So that leads into the next question. What is the funniest thing Evan did? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what Look, wasn't he, funny? Yeah. His, he got a huge friend group that we still uh, talk with. Uh-huh. Uh, they had homecoming last night, so uh, quite a few of them was on the court. They called us to go over, gave uh, Amanda some flowers and all. They, so they keep us intact, which we asked them to. So... Uh, uh, but they said he was the the, the, funniest, the funny one. Yeah, he's the funny one out of the group. Uh, for us personally, man. <laughs> I mean, cool. when didn't he? I was laughing. I, I told this story before, but um, it the day before, or a couple of days before, he was eating. Um, he was heating up some. What is it saying? I mean, ninety minute rice. Ninety minute rice, whatever. And um, or minute race, minute race. No, uh, uh-uh. it was not a ninety second race. Okay, ninety second race. And um, so he's heating it up, and he pressed one three zero on the microwave. And so I'm like screaming at him about this, like you're gonna blow it up in the microwave. It's ninety second race. It's gonna blow up in the microwave. I'm not cleaning it up. You're gonna clean it up. And he's laughing so hard he's crying, and he falls on the floor in the kitchen right there. And he 
he's like, you can't be serious. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not cleaning it up. You put it for a minute and 30 seconds. And he's like crying. And he's like, mom, you got to be kidding me. And I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. And he says, mom, can you think about this for a minute? <laughs> and so I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh, it took a minute for me to get it that 90 seconds is one minute and 30 (laughs) seconds. So he cried. He was laughing so hard. And the night before, actually, the night before he took his life, um, we were laying. He came laying in the bed with me because we were making fun of Bart because Bart was watching Gomer Powell on TV. And so we were like, why does he watch this? It, you know, and so we're laughing and we had the dog in between us and the dog just stuck its tongue out. And um, Evan's like, oh, my God, take a picture. And he's laughing so hard at the dog with the sticking his tongue out. And like I said, this was less than 24 hours before. Um, so definitely didn't see any, you know, signs or anything at, at that point. Yeah. So we kind of did touch on this, um, a bit, but what did, what did Evan value most in life? Hurry up. Us and his two sisters. Yeah. He was a big, do family, family stuff, you know. He liked it to be just us. Us, Yep. When uh, yeah. Mallory would get her friends to come over, he's like, I didn't know this was a hotel. What <laughs> hotel guests we got today? <laughs> so he didn't like people in his, in his little area. Uh, but he was always like that since he was little. He yeah. had he only would go sleep at one friend's house. Yeah, he had one friend that he would, he, he was comfortable with comfortable going with. there. Other than that, he wouldn't sleep out anywhere. And he just liked it to be us. Mm-hmm. You know, and he... Liked when we cooked on the weekends and just hung out with just us. So, yeah. I'm definitely hungry now. (laughs) (laughs) What words would you use to describe his character? (laughs) Um, Compassionate. Funny. Always had to do it the right way. Correct. So if... If you was a pool player, and you asked him to play pool, no, nope, I ain't playing. He would sit down, study, watch. Then when he realized, he figured it out and can beat you. All right, let's play now. Yeah, he was very meticulous. With everything. <clears throat> with everything, even his handwriting. Um, very meticulous with everything. Everything had to be a certain way. Um, I mean, he was just a great kid. And some of my coworkers said, man, I've never seen somebody's room this freaking neat and organized in my life. So that's him. That's how he was. Yeah. A little bit of OCD, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, don't come in you my room with shoes. You cannot go in the shoes on. Do not go in the room with shoes on. So still to the same, we don't go in the room with shoes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I do it. <laughs> so I kind of changed his room into, like, a prayer room. So when I feel like I'm getting down, because his room is not touched. Yeah. Everything is still exactly in the same spot. And so I'll go and just kneel on the that. side of the bed and exactly where he <clears throat> laid um, and just pray. Mm. That's, that was a tough thing, road across. So the day after, uh, we slept somewhere else that, that night of, the day it happened. I didn't feel like I could be home. Yeah. So we stayed in the hotel. So we, we had a, when we found, when Hattie called us, she was the one that found him. 
running with an iPad to my mom's house that lives behind us. Uh, it was just a shocking thing. We had an hour and 15 minutes to get back home. You so, broke the law? Hmm? You did no. not break the law. Uh, not once. I think we drove 45 miles an Five. hour on uh, the way home because we were trying to process everything. So the first call I did was call the dispatch. I know they wouldn't give me the information. It's like, who's out there? It's like Blake and I'm like, tell Blake to call me when he can. I knew he wouldn't call. I just said that just to, to appease me. Uh, a lot of our training kicked in. Uh, I tell everybody that a lot of uh, people I work with, including you, had a part playing for me getting home that day, played a part in it. Uh, told a man to call a pastor, get him over here, call my dad who was in law enforcement and worked with the sheriff for many years before. And did not speed, uh, punched the steering wheel a couple of times. Uh, just cause it was a shock, we didn't know, have no signs, no nothing. And uh, I was convinced that this was a complete mix yeah. up. Like somebody got this wrong. It was somebody else. And, you know, we were going to get home and everything was going to be fine and he was going to be here. And, you know, it was just mixed. So that's what I was convincing myself. So that, that, that day is what started. Uh, I don't know. My faith had a lot to do that day, too. You know, so I was telling Amanda that yeah. we did we took a class, the one we go talk at CIT. This woman said the day she lost her son, she lost uh, her husband and her other kids for seven years chasing why. So right that instance, I kept telling them, we cannot chase why, we can't do this. We got two girls to raise. We're going to get through this some kind of way. Uh, so the next day, uh, we, we stayed at a hotel and I'm like, we got to get home and get some stuff. And, uh, and everybody was like, we're not going back. So I'm like, all right. This how it's going to be. I said, I don't care if you ever, ever go back in that room ever again. But we are going back in the house. We have our memories of him. I said, the devil will not take our house from us, our memories. So it took a while for them. Took took me a day or two, kind of go in there. I went the day of. Uh, Amanda took a while. The girls been been in and out. So now it's kind of like, like her said, that's our prayer room, kind of, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. we miss, we go in there, sit down, and just, and just, chill, you know, just chill with Evan, you know. What I can say though, Bart, um, I was at Rouse's the day it happened, mm -hmm. working the detail, and it just so because I never turned my radio on in Rouse's. Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. Okay. It just so happened I had my radio on, and I heard some kind of information come out, and I'm like. So then I hear 442 mm -hmm. going out to the residence. So I picked up the phone and I called her. I said, what's going on? And she gave me the information and she's like, we might need you. I said, Kendra, I'm stuck on the detail. I don't know if I can leave. Mm -hmm. She's like, they got to make something happen. And I was willing to get in my car and head this way to be here for y'all. But what made me feel comfortable is, and I was contemplating on calling you. Mm -hmm. But I actually called you and I'm not going to say you seemed at ease with the situation, but I, I, I sensed a level of peace mm -hmm. with, with, you know, the incident. Um, and I definitely knew your faith mm -hmm. had something to do with it. So what I did was I calmed myself down. I think I spent most of the rest of the night outside just pacing the parking lot praying for y'all. 
um, during this time because I wasn't directly affected by this, but because I know you, mm-hmm. I can empathize ah, with correct. what you're dealing with. You know, my <clears throat> my heart went out to y'all. Um, and I know the day of the funeral, I was getting ready to lose and you like, don't you cry. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> it's easy for you to say, but wait mm-hmm. a minute, it's not easy for you to say because you, you're the one dealing with it. Correct. I still cried. I just had to leave the yeah. church to cry. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, all the things y'all said about his character, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that is the, the touch of a person that understands who they are, mm-hmm. you know, and what was his faith like? Ooh, that's, that's, that's man, something I think he, 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 he struggled, struggled with. with big time. Cause he was a black and white person. Like you gotta have proof. You gotta have proof. You gotta have backup. You yeah. gotta, you, yes. you, he has to see something in person, touch, feel type person or cause he did his, he did a lot of research. So Amanda had a conversation with him probably a month prior about his faith. Mm-hmm. I did. Well, he asked me and, you know, I look back now and I think, was this a sign? Should I have been, you know, should this have been a red flag for me? But he said, oh, mom, do you believe that there's a heaven and a hell? And I said, I do, Evan, I do. And um, he said, why? So I explained my reasons and I said, wouldn't you rather be prepared and get there and there he is than not be prepared and get there and there he is. And he was like, I don't know. I don't know. And he walked out the room. But Evan was very deep when it came to conversation. So that was just a typical Evan, like, no telling what's going through his head that day. So, you know, so, you know, now I look back on it and I'm like, was that significant? You know, was he trying to tell me something or was he trying to justify something with himself um when it came to church um he wouldn't come with us all the time we got him to come Uh, we got him to come come but he uh but then what he learned he would go and research research it to make sure it was valid so anything pastor bland would say he would come home and he would research it and then he would come tell us what he found. And he was like, you know, what he said about this is correct. What he said about this is correct. Um, you know, and he would just analyze everything that went on. Like he took it all That's in. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. He took it all in. I used to always tell him, I said, the Bible is your instruction guide to life. So everything comes with an instruction book, right? Yeah. So. But then he he would question, well, how do you know that they didn't just make this up? How do you know that what's in here is real? How do you know that, you know, he would just question everything. Everything was a question to him. Like, you know, who can back this up? Who can prove it? Who can? uh, It was constant. His brain was constantly going. And I have this the same fight with with scientists. Mm -hmm. Um, Or let me rephrase that. Not scientists. um, With atheists. Mm-hmm. Correct. They do the same thing. And I'm, I'm not saying Evans and Avery. Right, right. But, Correct. Um, but he wasn't being naive or negative with it. Mm-hmm. So atheists, they do the same thing. You know, oh, prove to me that uh, this is this is real and this happened. And, you know, faith, you know, this series mm-hmm. is about faith. Faith is, you know, the, the substance of things not seen. Okay. Yep. We know air exists, mm-hmm. but we can't see, see it. it. Correct. That's you right. Know? That's so right. We, we know God exists. Mm-hmm. 
we can't see him, but we can see him. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I mean, look, don't beat yourself up on, you know, the the why. You know, right. why you didn't that's, answer the question deep. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But he taught you a lesson. Right. Yep. Right. You know. And like I said, when he would come and he would go and he'd look it up and he would say, you know, um, what the pastor said today in church, um, I, I did some research on that. And, you know, what he said was correct. It made sense. And I'm like, okay. You know, so. But um, so he, he, let me ask this. He believed in. He believed there was a God. Yes, he did. Yes. Okay. He just struggled. He probably struggled with the religion aspect of it. Yes. Correct. Correct. So actually, something popped up on my timeline the other day, and um, <laughs> and I laughed about it because um, he was younger, and he said he had woke up that morning and he said I had a dream, and I said you did, and he said yeah. He said, um, God was talking to me in my dream. I said, oh, really? I said, what did he say? And he said, he said, me and Mallory um, need to get along better. (laughs) And I said, okay. He said, but he said it in Spanish. And I said, why did he say it in Spanish? And he was like, because he's God. He made up that language. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, Evan. (laughs) And I had put it on my uh, Facebook. And so it popped up in my memories and I was laughing about it. Um, But yeah, I definitely, so I struggled a lot with, um, we had went to Pastor Bland's house to plan his funeral. And so they invited us over for dinner. And to talk about, you know, how the the plans were going to go for the funeral. And um, he looked at me and he said, what's going on? I mean, knowing that I had been, we had just been through, you know, the most tragic part of our life. He knew there was something else that was there. He saw it in me. And I looked at him and I said, how do you know? And he was like, tell me what's on your mind. And I said... Okay, I said, so I grew up, you know, in the Catholic religion. And I said, we were always, it was always instilled in us that if you commit suicide, you go to hell. And he said, don't you dare, don't you dare do that to yourself. And he said, that is not biblical. He said, we will have that conversation when you can find it for me in the Bible. He said, which means... We're never going to have that conversation because you're not going to find it. And I said, I feel like I can breathe. I feel like I can breathe again because that was weighing so heavy on me because that's what we were told. And that's what, you know. And so I said, at the funeral, I need you to talk about this because 90 percent of the people that are going to be at his funeral are raised Catholic. So I need you to address this. Because I don't want my family thinking this. And he said, okay, you got it. You got it. We're going to do it. So, so so, we pull an Evan after that conversation when we got home and look back when it started. Well, yeah, we started researching. Surgeon, well, it started back ask. and started in one of the world wars. One. One. Because people was committing suicide, so they wouldn't have to go. Because so, they were being drafted. Drafted. So they decided, hey, we go. So if you do this, and that's where part of it started. So it, it it's a... Uh, it was a quick suicide prevention, prevention back then. So it was a quick attacked. way to 
to get people to stop. And so that was the best they could come up with at that time. So they like, okay, so if we say this, then it's going to stop. And it did slow it down. Yeah. But instead of going to scripture, because I can tell you right now, committing suicide. Yeah, we can call it a sin. Mm -hmm. It's a sin. But he forgives all sins, like I tell people. Right. But what is the most egregious sin that God often does not forgive? That's blasphemy. That is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That is somebody saying that there is no God and God does not exist and all the other bad things that Mm -hmm. go with that. Committing suicide, it it is a horrible thing. In this life, and this is a quote that I've been saying since the the Secor incident. Mm -hmm. In this life, death is our biggest enemy. Mm -hmm. In the living, we sometimes understand, sometimes we don't. But I tell you this day that in the next life, death is our victory. And what I mean by that, and it's based off of the 23rd Psalm, that part where it says that I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Then it goes on and it says that rod and I staff, they comfort me. Yes, Evan was comforted during that incident. Now you're being comforted now. Mm-hmm. You can rest assured that in the next life, it's victory. The only time it will not be victory is if a person that aggressively does not believe and chooses not to believe in God. Mm -hmm. That is when it's not a victory. But for those who are called and chosen in Christ, is it death or is it just a transition? Mm -hmm. You know, so, so rest in that. Right. Rest in that. So one of our, um, friends who also lost their, their child, um, to suicide he said something very significant at the bike ride yeah uh, he, he, he said the people that on 9-11 I was jumping out of buildings did they commit suicide no they was in so much pain from the fire they jumped he said we couldn't see our kids with the pain they had so they jumped so I never thought about it that way and I was like man that's that's a temp- yeah, uh, I mean, Clark, Clark. I said, Clark, man, I never, never once thought of that. So those people didn't jump because they wanted to kill themselves. They jumped because they were in so much pain from the heat that they just jumped. He said, so our kids were bottled up and had so much pain, and they jumped. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, to put it in perspective, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's a pretty pretty clear yeah. perspective yeah. I mean, to me. Look, we can, we can sit here and say, well, why did he do it? Yeah. What was his reasoning? You know, and... And something else that I rest assured in is God is constantly revealing himself to us Mm -hmm. and revealing things to us about him. Mm -hmm. There are also things that he keeps from us intentionally. Okay. It's not our job to figure out why. Correct. Mm -hmm. It's not our job to understand why. I tell that to to men all the time. I said, the day we meet him again, you will not ask him why. No. That would never come in your mind. You're going to be worshiping God. No, that's that right. That would never cross your mind. So just don't yeah. even worry about it. Why worry about I it? Could, I could see uh, Sweet Brown up there. Anybody got time for that? You know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, and you'll just be worshiping God, you know. Yeah. So that's what we said, you know, and we have never been angry at God. We the have day never, of never, never once, crossed our once. mind. A lot of people ask me that question. I'm yeah. glad. I, you know why I'm glad y'all were not angry at God? This is going to sound pretty, uh, pretty nasty when I say it, but Evan was never yours in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Okay. Correct. Yeah. He's always been God's. Yeah. So when I find myself following it into that deep depression, because I do it, I go in and out, yes. in and out. It's going to happen. Um, I have to change my thought process to instead of 
oh my gosh, my child took his life. I lost my child. I have to change it to thank you, God, for giving me 16 16 beautiful years with this young man. So thank you for that. And that's just Satan. That is just Satan. He his masterpiece is deception. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you can beat him at his own game by just calling out to God. Yep. He's going to That's that's like the the, the approach I, well, say. I don't know if she wanted to take it, but she was coming along for the ride if she liked it or not. Uh right after, I was like I called uh Captain Dave when he was a, at that time he was a captain. And I was like I want to do CIT training. I want to go talk, give us our story, because that's who helped me through this day. And it was not even a month after. So they got in contact with those people, and they had a rule that they... Wait, would, have to wait a year? Wait a year. But they heard our story, and just out of faith, they was like, oh, we can get them to come. Out of faith. And so we went, and she was uh, very happy that we came, was able to get through it and stuff. But uh, from that point, I was like, you know what? A lot of people in our, in, in our community, and I'm pretty sure it's all over the world, suicide is untalked about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You hear about it, and that's it. So, I'm Or like, you don't hear about it because the, it. You know, the families don't so want to say it. We right away just took it on and, mm-hmm. and go out. I mean, I tell people, and one of the talks I give is kind of like a, we don't have nothing written down. We just go ahead explain that day. It depends who we're talking to. CIT, we go through the whole event day how to help our officers to deal with it, where we coming from. Oh, uh, yeah. But uh, I forgot what to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I always tell people at some point in the lecture or talking is just that smile, the open the door might change somebody's perspective that day to change their life. Yeah. I, I did a whole season on suicide uh, early on in my podcast. Mm-hmm. And that episode, that season was based off of a book written by a counselor at uh, Cherry Creek Presbyterian Church. And, you know, she talked about her niece committing suicide and, and kind of went through that whole aspect of it. And she took her niece's journal and actually wrote the book based off of the journal. And, you know, I, I'm, I don't like when people say they're going to commit suicide. It throws me in a whole different category where my mind starts doing all these things, thinking all these things. How can I get them help? You know, um, you're not going to do this on my watch. I'm going to force you to get help. Um, but just listen. Yeah. S- start off by listening. That's why God gave us ears. Correct. Look, the very the very next morning uh, after the event, Amanda went to social media, which he did not believe in at all. Yeah, he didn't have social media. Did not believe in it. Smart Thought it was the worst <laughs> thing ever. He's right. <laughs> so but she I have it. she put the next morning. Uh, you know, we live in a in an area where people like to gossip, and so the next morning, the man that put on Facebook with great sorrow, disbelief, and broken hearts, our sweet Evan committed suicide. There was no signs. Evan liked to be home. He was super smart, quiet, and always smiling. We had no idea he was in pain. The picture I posted yesterday was just hours before this tragedy. Please keep our family in your prayers. Please hug your babies tonight. And our lives are forever changed. Rest in peace, my sweet baby. So that was uh, less than 12 hours after we got home. Uh, so right there, that was kind of, I guess, our start of making a positive out of a huge negative. Uh, 
it, it, it still gets to us. Uh, we human. I, I told Struggle. a man and the girls, uh, you got to cry, let it out. Uh, the girls kind of get mad about it now. I say mad is my mama cries a lot, you know, but we all all different. Uh, most of the time I cry on the, go, on the way to work. Uh, you know, we live for, for our whole life. Your man, your boy, you stop crying. Oh, no, hey, go ahead, cry, boy. Go ahead, it's all right. Get it out. Let's go. You and, know? and that's that's what society teaches men. Teaches yes. correct. And, yes. You know. So I, I I put that out there a lot too. Just, yeah, you know. and that's okay. That's okay yeah. to show your emotions. emotions. And yeah. I mean, look, let's be honest. Women are better at it than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. especially if you're a mom. Mm-hmm. Correct. And that's not a negative. That's that's just how we're wired. Yeah. Yeah. Just seeing his friends walking out last night on the track, I was just bawling just seeing them because I mean they love Devin as you know they love Devin too and I'm just thinking about them and how their hearts you know their hearts were broken too because they've they felt like gosh did we miss this like should we have caught this you know like so many people thought could I have saved him could I have and nobody has had nothing his friends they they still you know there's times when you know, in, in Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time for everything, in mm-hmm. a sense. And, and and I think that time for grief, in my personal opinion, never ends. No, it doesn't. You know. I tell people that you, uh, something you don't get over, something you learn to manage with every day. So every day you manage to get over it. It still feels like I'm going to come home one day and he's coming out of his room. How was your day, Dad? What's going on? You know? Uh that's not going to happen. So it's just, just your mind does that. You know, you want to off sometimes. It's just, yeah. I just tell people, we just learn to manage. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's where we at. We got the girls, each other to take care of. It's just, it's, that's, this is our life now. So, so this is Evan's note right here. Uh, was- we, at first, it, <sighs> the day of, oh, the sheriff was here. Uh, it's kind of weird coming home uh, to work that you thought you'd never have to do. Uh, so I told Amanda, go home, go to my mom's house that lives behind us, take care of Hattie, and I answer all the questions. I know what he got asked. Uh, that that kind of helped the ride home too. I was able to explain to Amanda who's going to be there, how long it was going to take, this and that. Uh, so one of our co workers came up and said, hey, he left a note. She said, I'm going to let you read it when we finish. So at this time, the man and the girls had no idea they had a note. So my mind went to racing. Somebody hurt my kid. What am I going to do? Should I not tell him? Because what happens is it says something in there. Should I hide it from him? So I was mulling this over big time. And so I got Amanda and the girls, got them away from my family, and I passed it on. I said, hey, look. From here on out, every decision we make is going to be the four of us. There's a letter. Don't know what's on it right now. But when they're ready, they're going to call me and let me read it. So that, before I got to read the letter, was a uh, just as much as her hurt and, and pain inside as when we got the call. Because I didn't know what was on it, and I was scared of that letter. Uh, I'll share it with y'all. Uh, he wrote, Mom, Dad... It's not your fault. I chose this option. Please get over it. 
and move on. Love you. Very blunt. Very blunt, but I was seven. And then he had another piece of paper with his passwords and to everything. So uh, that was it, you know. I left us with a little something. So uh, I went back and uh, read it to the to the to the girls. Uh, kind of messed it up a little bit. I mean, yeah. suspected. Yeah. I didn't remember verbatim at the time. Uh, so uh, was able to get the original letter, which we keep with us. Uh, at first, we wasn't gonna let people read it. That was something sacred to us. I'm like, no, no, let's let's have it. So let's just let's do it. So we want to share that with y'all and, and the listeners. So. And did the sheriff? Um, obviously, I know what his role is, but mm-hmm. how did he help y'all through the process? Uh, <laughs> I actually, uh, it's not just it. We we uh. I'm gonna say this. I went meet with him. Uh, so after everything it took us a while, I tracked down everybody that was there that day to thank him, uh, to help me get through that day. Everybody had a, a, a part to play in it. You had a part to play in it. We worked together. Uh, so finally, he was my last one on my list because he told me. You know, at the funeral, he said, look, when you're ready, come. I said, I got some ideas. He said, I'd love to hear them. So uh, we saved him for last. Uh, So we got to him. uh, He was just thanking him for the training that he puts us through. That's what got me through that day. Uh, To allow me to represent the sheriff's office and go talk to CIT. Uh, We offered to go talk to families that's in our same situation. Whenever they're ready to talk, uh, we'll go. Um, shout out to Sheriff Craig Weber for that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, he uh, was so compassionate. Like it, not just because it's us, because I I was an, I'm an employee of the sheriff's office. He's like that twenty four seven. People, uh, some people don't realize that he's like that. That's a guy that will cry. He will cry with you oh, at any time. <laughs> yeah, he will. Uh, he's very and. I had to tell him, I said, uh, part, not just because of uh, uh, being an employee, but uh, the PSS, Police Social Service, has a thing where they would have gave us a room that night to stay in so we wouldn't stay here. And I remember telling uh, Melissa Simmons, I'm like, nope. I said, give it to the family that needs it. She goes, Johnny. I said, no, we're not. She said, the sheriff said, I said, <laughs> you tell the sheriff that I'm overruling on this one. <laughs> So I did apologize to him. That's it. The only time in my career I got to overrule you <laughs> was on that day. So, but I mean, uh, he's just he's just wonderful, and all the people that we work with are wonderful. Yeah, uh, and M- Melissa's just. Yeah. I, I got to work with her with the Secor incident, and mm-hmm. you know she is by far phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And and if anybody knows Melissa Simmons, you yeah. basically know a heart of pure gold. Right? Oh God. Yeah. I remember opening the car door. We parked. We had to park kind of far back because there was so many cars. And she was the first person that I saw. She walked out from under the carport and she walked to the car. And I just remember falling to my knees. And she just stood there like, okay, she just let me. She just let me deal with it and process it and whatever. She just stood there just having her right there, you know, and I still get to see her. I'm so glad that I 
you know, get to see her and talk to her, especially this past week. I got to talk to her almost every day. Everybody was here that day and the people we work with, and they all had a part to play in it. Yeah. Our pastor showed up. Our pastor's wife showed up. Uh Like, I mean, Uh how do you get that support? You know, how do you, you have, you know, he was here. Pastor got here before we got here. Mm -hmm. Um, we called to tell him. We called to said, tell him. He just felt, didn't even know where we live. He knew a roundabout. We found us. And, uh, and then his wife came and they prayed with us and they cried with us and they just, and then the whole church just came together. And after that, it was just like, I mean, we were fed for months, like two months. Yeah. I think they had a meal train just they all came together as a family. And that's beautiful. Just, that, that's how the church is supposed yes. to work. And just, and and just like just, community. Yeah. It's just, you know, uh, we do bike rides. We do all kinds of other things. We don't promote a lot of stuff. Uh, we help out a lot of individuals and people. Yeah, do scholarships, scholarships in his and name. Stuff. And we do things like that, but we don't promote it. Yeah. We, we just, to be, that's how Evan was. Yeah. He didn't want. He didn't want everything on him. I mean, this kid never Never went to a baseball game and not caught a ball. High school, college, or professional. And I mean, he did all kind of wonderful things like that. Like things I look back down, like, oh, man, how did, how did this kid do this? You know. And we actually um, had there was really no discussion. We both knew that we wanted to cremate him um, immediately because so he would have been valedictorian of his high school class. Um, he, this he had year. the opportunity to graduate with his older sister two years ahead of him. <laughs> At the time. And he says, why would I want to do that? Why? why? He's like, That's I don't want to grow up any faster. Why do I want to grow up to be an adult in this world? Because <laughs> mm. he just felt the world was a hateful place and just said, I'm going to be a kid as long as I can. Okay. So um, he was already nervous about having to get up and speak and do the valedictorian address. And so um, he said, um, I'm going to intentionally make an F. So that way my <laughs> GPA goes down and I don't get that spot. And I was like, no, you're not. I said, I said when we get, because just, he did not want to yeah. speak in front I of said, everyone. You just do your job. And I, I guarantee you won't have to speak. So said, what you going to do? I said, we'll I'll talk I'll to the call principal. Him. I'll figure something out. Just don't fail just to fail, dude. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, mean, I tried hard to make an F, and I used to get them. <laughs> <laughs> and this dude had to potentially do it. I mean, I, mean, I could look at a math problem. <laughs> yeah, correct. So uh, we knew he would not want anyone looking at him because he was already anticipating not wanting to get up and speak you know, and addresses his class and the the family. So we like, we can't, you know, yeah. we yeah. did that. And then, uh, she got some change. Yeah, this is his That's ashes. one of them. His... They got the ashes in it. I got his fingerprint on those dog tags. So that way we always have them with us. If we yeah. go somewhere, so we go on trips, we'll take them with us. And if she goes somewhere to interview them, she has them with us. Yeah. I, I want to touch upon what you said about the church coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the community within the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is literally how Paul described the church in all of his letters. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how the church is supposed to operate. And, and one thing that I've learned over the years is that no one has ever been called to walk alone in their faith. We Correct. all walk together. together. This is a journey that we're all taking together. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Evan was not related to me. You guys mm-hmm. are not related to me. But in Christ, we're all related. Mm-hmm. So we're walking in this journey together. Mm-hmm. Indirectly, directly, mm-hmm. however you want to look at it. That's right. You know, so we're supposed to rely on one another. We believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We believe that he died on the cross for us. Mm-hmm. And we definitely believe that he rose again so that we might be saved. Correction. So that so we are, are saved. saved. Yep, okay, and I was done intentionally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when we walk in faith together, the might turns into will. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know. Absolutely. Like so, I said, I mean, mm-hmm. we couldn't have made it without. Well, there's, there's so many. He shows himself so many, so many ways. Because during the funeral was uh, the COVID stuff. Yeah. So the little signing book had over a thousand signatures. And the usher said, that's people that went through that door, not the other ones. So we cried, hugged on over a thousand people that day. Nobody reported. I was like, people are probably had, had my snot in their <laughs> eyes. And Nobody reported they had COVID or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, we had no. So think God of that. was definitely in that one. Yes. Can you, you know? show them that picture? Yeah, so the, I have a picture that. Uh, someone in the church took. Took during the funeral. And while you're pulling that up, I want to ask. Um, hang on. Did it cut off? Um, I do want to ask, um, did Evan have any, like, signature sayings? Oh, that's so, there's so many things that we use today. I know. Our dog's name's Hazel, but she pooed he, a lot, so they, he called he her called Pooh. He called her Pooh. So now we all call her dog so Pooh. Pooh. Pooh, yeah. Uh, everything <laughs> so was... So the dog now thinks her name's Pooh. Pooh. <laughs> uh, used to call Amanda uh, Mama Puff. And mm-hmm. I was regular, so Puff, we everything we... I mean, we got sayings, and I mean, it's a it's a whole bunch of different things. He saved. Um, but somebody took that picture, and you see the the light shining down on me. That was at so the funeral. Where they took this picture at is where we sit every Sunday. You cannot find that light. No matter, I even moved for the first couple of weeks to see if I can find that light somewhere. Else. So that's uh, yeah. So that's uh. A pretty prized possession right there we have. Yeah. Uh, there's no natural light in there. The way the lights are set up to the stage, nothing's oh, yeah. coming back. So uh, church you've been in a bit like a, uh, like a correct. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's yeah. Somebody sent me that the next day. He was like, "Man, I don't." Yeah, Jeremy Beeson. Jeremy said, "Man, look, I don't know where you're at right now, but I have to share this with you." And I think I put back share with everybody. I just share with everybody. Yeah. So oh. my worst time, he's still shining on me. That's. Yeah, that's the way we look at it. You know, we, we talked about your uh, your reaction about hearing the news. You know, Bart, you said you punched the steering wheel. You know, that was about the only like act I did. But it's just out of I was mad at myself because I thought I missed something. So when I got here, uh, no, and and then you said you had contemplated taking your weapon with you. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that morning, we, that day, we was moving Mallory into Southeast. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I looked at my, my duty weapon. I'm like, hmm, no, I ain't going to take it because it's going to be in a car. We're going to have the car unlocked, so it's going to be unsecured. Oh, not a good idea to take it because we're moving the stuff in out the car. So I left it. So I was mad at that. Then I realized if he didn't do it that day, he would have done it another day. 
So that left the next question I knew that was coming. So I think that next day we went to her mom's house and her mom says, why did you have a loading? I said, Miss Carolyn, with all due respect, I said, when your son was 16, he knew where every gun, bullet, key was in your house, right? Oh, I didn't mean it like that. I said, no, we're going to get this out the way now. Correct or uncorrect? She I mean, said, we live in South Louisiana. Everybody hunts. Everybody. So I said, I don't own any guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, when, when I was working with the pipeline company or with the sheriff's office, and I leave at night, my wife and the kids know if that back door flies open, where is that and what to do with it? So if it didn't happen that day, it would have happened another day. So I don't beat myself up over that at all. No. Yeah. At all. I mean, yeah, you're right. This is South Louisiana. Yep. You know? So, yeah. And look, I'm just glad he chose which one he did. I tell that people a lot. I mean, if I took it, would he have grabbed the other one? Then my little girl would have walked in on something. She would have been scored for life. She's already, you know, a little scored. She really didn't see anything. She thought she was he was playing with her until she saw the weapon in his hand. So I'm blessed on that part. Uh, I'm just... So, that's, man. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the next question is a tough one, and I do want y'all to be honest with me. At any point in this incident, did you doubt God? Never. No. Never. Never. We can never. proudly say never. 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 And we know several families that we have gotten to know through through this time that have. You know, we, we're a part of a club that nobody should ever have to join. Well, not join you. I had not even chosen. Yeah. yeah. You just put there. Uh, never. Yep. Never. Never. We talk to other individuals that they're looking for somebody to blame. You know? And it's just going to eat them up. And it's, it's tough to talk with people that's been through it with you. I mean, it's easy to talk with, but they go, we go through different stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lady at church that came up to me one day and she said, um, she said, God's given me something to tell you. And she said, I'm sorry, but um, I'm, I'm going to share this with you because I'm, I'm being obedient to God and I want and I'm going to share this with you. And she said, um, God said he was saving you from something that would have been worse. And I was like, OK. And then I thought about that and I'm like, really? There could have been something worse. Like we at this moment, you know, this time think that that is the worst possible thing that could ever happen. But what if he was saving us from something that could have been worse? God always has that ultimate plan that we, mm-hmm. he, he reveals it to us when we're obedient to his will. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, me starting this podcast, you mm-hmm. know, back in 2019. Yeah. Uh, I've been wanting to start a podcast because I thought it would be cool and I was going to talk about technology. We ain't talking about technology. No. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and it's like, okay, I'm not going to get anybody. Like, yes, I'm very strong in my faith. Nobody's going to listen to this podcast. It's about Christianity. Nobody cares about God in today's life. I ain't doing it. And here we are. And here today. we are. You know, so when I can't speak on what, you, what your church member told you. Mm-hmm. But if God was saving you from something greater, then he just was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We won't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And she told me that. And I, you know, at that moment, it took me a little bit to process. And I was like, you know, there there could have been much worse things than, than what happened. So, you know, and we had a dream. <laughs> so it was so funny because 
I had a dream about Evan one time. And I was afraid to tell him because I was afraid that he would be like, well, why did you have this dream? And I didn't have this dream. And so I kind of didn't say anything for a little while. And then he says, I have something to tell you. And I was like, okay, I have something to tell you too. And um, he said, I had a dream about Evan. I said, I had a dream about Evan. And I started crying and I said, what did he tell you? It was like three seconds. I mean, it was like that. And he was in his navy blue hoodie, which is what he had on that day. And he said, I'm okay. And Bart said, he said, I'm okay. Yeah. And I said, he said, I'm okay. And we had that same dream the same night, three seconds, and it was done. And I've never dreamed about him since, and I want to so badly, but I haven't. But we had it the same night. But then talk about it. But because we were afraid that, you know, we would upset each other that one got something from him and the other one didn't. didn't. But we got it the same night. And yeah. and it and was just, I'm okay. But and tell, he smiled. So tell your science and friends to come uh, explain that one to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I got to talk to Jesus about that one. Maybe, maybe Daniel can come back and yeah. interpret the dream. <laughs> but, uh, you know... You have these moments where some things are clear, some things are not. Okay. So he appeared and said, he's okay. I'm not telling you to move on. Okay. But I'm telling you to live. Your focus now, you said it earlier, is your other two daughters. Mm -hmm. And each other. And each other. But your faith and your constant building your faith in who Jesus Christ is. That's right. Mm -hmm. We are put here to preach the gospel. We can preach the gospel in many different ways. Some ways are absolutely wrong and blasphemous, and some are just 100% right. But your faith being on display, and we talked about this in, in our last episode with Kevin and Shiaki, but your faith being on display pushes you to preach the gospel in a way that people that are contemplating suicide or are struggling with something, they're going to look at that and say, man, if they can do it, why can't I? Well, guess what? You can do it. Fall on your knees and call out to God. Mm -hmm. That's all I can tell you. Look, this day, a lot lot of people struggle with it because you have high-functioning anxiety. People that come out in public. Uh, We talked with uh, with Kim Thompson, and that's who Hattie went to. And uh, I went to talk to her. Uh, Like I said, we go do them talks. So I'm there. Talking to a bunch of cops. This is at a CIT training. CIT training. And I'm like, hey, look, this is where we are. They, Everybody went through the therapist. And a guy from Tittle PD said, what about you? I'm like, how you going to tell people to do something when you're the leader and you're not doing it? I said, Mr. Rick, you are right. So the next day I went. He called and made himself an appointment. I went and talked. And we had a good conversation. And, uh. She told me something that I tell everybody. The easiest thing to get away with in life is fake being happy. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, that, that stuck with me. So, I mean, it's, I mean, we learn a lot from doing that stuff and just, just to share our experience with people and our faith. And because we start off with that in, in the, in the thing. We're yeah. not coming to preach to you, but this is where yeah. we are. And, that, and that's the, a lot. One of the first questions we get asked all the time: Are you adding your faith? Is it stronger? 
That's like everybody's grasp. Yes, before. everybody's question. That's the first question. That's normally the first one we get. Is it stronger? <laughs> stronger and, than and, ever. And we have in, in that setting, we have a no holds holes bar. You can ask us anything. Okay. With that being said, <laughs> um, so your faith got strengthened mm-hmm. in this moment. Okay. So you know, God is it has become more of a comforter for you guys in a sense. Can, can I say that? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, and has He revealed Himself? more clearly through this incident, through Evan taking his life? I believe so. Yeah. I, I believe. Not he, not just on us. My brother yes. uh, yeah. went through a Catholic school. Uh, wasn't big and bringing, going to church, you know, kind of like where we were. And the day of, he said, God spoke to me. And like, told his wife, during, the, during the, the funeral, God, I saw him and he spoke to me. So it changed his life that day. So uh, he comes to church with us. So Him and his family. Yep. So, I mean, it's just uh, not just on us. We see it happening through other people. Other people. Yes. Uh, yes. So, uh, I mean, that's that's when you when you live that life and then you see other people getting a little taste of it. You know where where they at. You know, like you look at, oh, man, when I was there. It just brings joy to me, you know, just to see that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, yeah. And his wife, his wife, Ann, actually. So my sister-in-law, she said, man, she said, you know, Matt was struggling. Like he was really struggling with with this whole God thing and believing in God. And um, and she said. He said at the funeral because Bart had got up and spoke at the funeral and he said, I've never been so proud of my brother in my life than I was that day. And um, then after that, they started coming to church with us. Hmm. And like he said, that is just, uh, you know, just to see it through other people or to, you know. It's it's that fruit that multiplies. And so for um, when it made Evan's year anniversary, we decided we were trying to figure out, okay, I'm like, oh, this would be a terrible day. You know, it's going to be, you know, we're just going to cry all day. It's going to be terrible. And I said, no, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to ask our whole family to come to church with us. Family and friends. So that's what we did. And we're all going to wear our You Matter shirts. And our family and friends we're going to invite. And half the church was full of You Matter shirts. And our families that came to celebrate his life. Man. On that no, year, and that's that's the only thing we did. That's we didn't want to go eat with nobody after. We wanted to be yeah. by ourselves after. We came home, and but I was like, "Yeah, that's what we did." The dreaded day turned into something. a wonderful day. Yeah, yeah, it was a beautiful day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jesus dying on the cross was a dreadful day. Yeah, yeah. but look at the blessings we got. Right. Correct. That's right. So um, we talked about faith. Now, do y'all know what sovereignty is, and do you still believe that God was sovereign in this situation you're dealing with, and why do you think He's still sovereign? So, um, I'm I'm struggling with this question. Um, I'm sorry. I do like. Sovereign means faithful, right? 
like kind of like I just want to make sure that I'm answering so, this question correctly. So sovereign, you know, God being sovereign over all. Mm-hmm. Um, you heard that saying before, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you still think? And basically, it's a. I hate to say it, it's a trick question, but it's a question that's basically asking: uh, Do you still think God's in control? Absolutely. And you know, so I, so in my head, while I'm thinking, I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking. Do I feel that God was unfair to me? There you go. Um, and no, I don't think he was unfair to me. I don't think he was unfair to this family. I don't think, um, I think that, um, that the devil robbed us of our child and, you know, whatever he was going through and, um, that we didn't know about. Um, but I definitely believe that he is still sovereign to us. He is still faithful to us. He is still. Yeah, we, we, I say we, we, I, I my, like I said, my own personal relationship with him. He still answers my prayers. So. Uh, he always will. Yeah, he always will. Or maybe so, not. Huh? Oh, he'll answer. Not. It's either yes, no, no, no. Yeah. or wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I still, still ask, I mean, pray for things and, and they, they come through. So, I mean, it ain't like he got me marked. Oh, okay, we can take this from me. No, we, no, no. Well, he, he yeah. answered one of my prayers with a no, and you, know, you ain't coming back to the sheriff's office. So, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah. uh, but, you know, moving forward, what is your goal uh, to help prevent suicide? Well, right now, we, uh, it's a school he went to. We have a thing called Hope Squad. That uh, Amanda got a grant for, for our kids. Uh, to encourage, each, encourage other. each other. Every single day. Uh, the kids are proctors. They come in. It's a grant that's going to last for how many years? Uh, five. Five years. Wow. So now we are uh, just had a conversation with somebody yesterday about getting into all the Lafouche Parish schools. So uh, we we have that in the works. Uh, it's an encouraging system, system, system among peers. Yes. But then the teacher um, teachers are trained. Um, so there's actually a doctor from Hope Squad that comes in. He flies in and he trains all the teachers. Well, the teachers that are going to act as advisors. And um, then those teachers train the children, like the kids. And, I mean, it's just basically an encouraging thing. Lutcher High School is the only school in the state of Louisiana that has it. Wow. Um, and that is a result of Emma Benoit and Karen Poaching. Um so Emma has the My Ascension show that um, had came out, and she had attempted suicide, but um, she she did live. So she has a show called My Ascension, and um, Karen went to Letcher High School. So um, I mean, it's pretty amazing. These kids do simple things like leave positive sticky notes on all the kids in the parking lots cars mm-hmm. or on their lockers or just hand something. out donuts yeah I mean, hand out just cool. something to make yeah, there's a hotline they can call but the, the phone will ring to somebody there yeah like so it's like personal the, like personal the training thing. and so we got it approved for virtual virtual academy lafouche uh, we were pushed back a little bit because they had so much damage from the storm so we're starting in december with virtual academy okay. and then um 
I got a phone call yesterday about tying in Lafouche Parish um, schools as a whole to have this program. And so that is definitely a vision we want to see. Um, and just talk about Evan, because my biggest fear is that um, people will forget about him. And I don't want anybody to ever forget about him. And that brings me to Evan asked me one day what what was my biggest fear. And um, I answered outliving my children. And he said, that's the circle of life, mom. That's how it's supposed to work. He said, what's really your biggest fear? And I said, that is my only fear is outliving my, uh, my children. So that's, you know, something else. But um, so we're my biggest fear at this point in life is that people would forget about him and and forget about who he was and how great he was. And so our goal is just to continue telling everything we do. We do like in memory of Evan or uh, you matter. So we do have a scholarship for him uh, at the baseball academy. You play that Uh, people got to apply for it. Uh, it's probably the hardest decision we had to make as a family. Uh, so they they got to write a little essay of why they think the, their kid deserves it. And uh, last year was tough. We get four votes, and we all uh, we all, all voted split. for different people. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that just blessed somebody else because then uh, somebody else found out about it. Well, it goes out to all the people that play goes to that right. academy. The note goes out to my right. So. It was so compelling that one of the board members said, you know what, I'm going to pick up this other family. So this is the second year we do it. Uh, we didn't get we didn't player get to vote. eight. Like, you yeah. don't see the player. Yeah, the we don't want to know names. We don't uh, want to. And then we don't want, we just wrote a letter to the family yeah. just saying, hey, this, this is, is this is about Evan. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, enjoy your years playing so baseball. last year, uh, family. Josh sent me. Text me, hey, we're playing this weekend over here. The players number this. I mean, I didn't come. Mm-hmm. So I went. It was kind of hard, but uh, it was cool. I didn't go approach the kid because we don't want that. Yeah. We just want to go watch real quick and leave. Yeah. So like, we, we do don't that. meet the families or anything like uh, that. We wanted to say, um, you know, we don't want that. Uh, be a blessing in yeah. disguise. I like yep. it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So. And we bought some school uniforms for some kids, uh, iPads. I mean, we. Like everything we do, like I tell a lot of people, like what y'all do? We're like, no, oh, we don't like to promote. Yeah, we don't. Back, you know, we don't tell people. We, do we don't bike ride. Take pictures. This year we didn't make it about Evan. Uh, it was about another kid from uh, our, our area that took his life uh, this year. So we wanted it to be about him, you know. So it was, it was yeah. helping them out. I love it. I love it. So, what advice um, would you give someone who is either dealing with suicide um, and or a natural death? Because that, that, that's a, a topic where people, you know, even if it, it's a natural death, they're upset with God. They want to, you know, give up on everything. So what advice would you give them? If you haven't put your faith in God or if you haven't found, you know, a, a church family, now's the time to do it. Um, because when it all came down to it, that's... Yeah, not, isn't it, it wasn't just us. yeah, it wasn't just our church, it right? Was other was, church members. We, we met a lot of people yes. through this tragedy that I didn't know before. That I lived in the same town with them my whole life. Yeah, and now like we, some of them I talk to daily. 
Yes. Like yes. it's just, and it's just faith brought us t- together. You know, uh, faith brought me and you together. You know, first time I worked with Brandon, we was working at Central Lafouche football game. Yeah. I'll tell you where I was working with him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and just the bond you you form with people. A lot of people say, "Man, why why do you like the sheriff's office so much?" I said, "Cause you will never know the bond we have when you work with somebody for twelve hours." It's not just like working the 12 hours at their, where they work at. Yeah. We have a different thing that we go through in understanding what we deal with. But when you find the right people you work with that have that heart, it's, you yeah. want to be around them 24-7. Absolutely. Uh, we go places, the first thing I do, I, who I go talk to? <laughs> Whatever deputies yeah, on. Because <laughs> I just feel yeah. at home with them. I feel, I just, I don't know. And look at the people I work with now, I, I have a relationship with, but it's just that difference. Yeah, just be careful because sometimes we might put you at work. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, th- this is my, my closing statement I have for the listeners. You know, if you are dealing with the thoughts of suicide, please reach out to somebody. Reach out to the National uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline. Mm-hmm. I'm going to provide that in the show notes for you. Um, you know, Look, we, find a group of people and talk. We we have uh, a counselor uh, we use pretty often for other people. Uh, she said, I don't care if I got an appointment set up. If you got some money, you call. So we actually had to use a several two, times. Several times. Because parents have texted us and said that their children are having. So, and the waiting time to get in is, you know, so six right to after, ten weeks. So right after all this event took place, I've been hating social media. I got rid of my social media. Then I'm talking to kids, going like, if, it, if y'all need me, contact me. I'm like, Ugh. so they get social media back, so they get a, a line of communication. But it it, it works. Uh, I, I talked at one time to all his high school friends at a baseball hmm. uh, with Shane Trostclair. Put me on the spot one day. I wasn't prepared, so, uh, so I'm like, man, y'all need something to reach out. So I mean. Uh, I think the day after the funeral, that Monday, somebody called us. Man, thank you for what you said during the funeral, which I did. Uh, my son came to me, and uh, we had to go bring him and get help. So, I mean, talk. Uh, we we use this person pretty often. Uh, we just ask, talk to somebody. If you don't feel comfortable with your mom, dad, or just find somebody. We're here. I'm here, you know. All right. We'll, we'll find somebody. Uh, so. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Well, that is all I have uh, for you guys. And I want to thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I, I know I, I talked about doing this mm-hmm. a while back, but I, I, I just didn't feel right at the time. You and know, like saying that, I, I got good, good friends of mine that after this wouldn't talk to me. Yeah. Because they didn't know how to approach it. I made them cry. It's just, yeah. I mean, I was opening, but I'm always, uh, I guess, one of those talking to people, you know? And, and that's another gift God gave us, our voice. Yep. <laughs> you know, we got to use it. But that's all I have. Again, I urge my listeners to look to Christ as our hope and our comforter in desperate times of need. To God be the glory for all the things he has done for us. We ask, and my listeners, again, if you are contemplating suicide, you want to reach out to me, you can do it via anchor.fm forward slash elder queen forward slash message. You know, share this link in your profile, share with everyone. Let's get the word out and let's together try to prevent suicide to the best of our ability. God bless you all. And that is the sign off. (music) 
you have reached the end of yet another episode from The Ear. We hope that God's word remains on the ears of the listeners. We pray that this podcast would urge you to go forth and spread his good news to the world. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. See you at the next episode. God bless you and may his glory shine upon you.